Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Yves Eurydice, and today's guest is uh, Dina. Dina Alexanian is a licensed psychotherapist and a teacher, mediator, minister, theta healer. Uh, she has a private practice. Uh, she's based in Miami now, but for over 18 years, uh, clients in the U.S. and abroad uh, mostly coping with trauma, <laughs> which we, <laughs> which I think we can all identify in, you know, just by like being raised in a patriarchy, <laughs> you know, the society of the 20th century and then transitioning into the 21st. <laughs> and, um, Dina is also the founder and director of CyberRight Productions, which is a nonprofit organization that's committed to mentoring, uh, youth in the arts and, uh, or putting together a 15-plus year running quarterly uh, festival event that has music, dance, film, art. It's called Love is Love. I just discovered now that you are an ordained minister. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought, oh, you know, let's talk about marriage in the 21st century. You know, marriage in... Uh, Post, you know, post patriarchy, kind of, right? So we live in mm-hmm. a culture that, you know, uh, allows all kinds of exceptional behaviors, <laughs> um, right? Right. So we, you know, serial marriages and multiple divorces and like mm-hmm. divorce attorneys, um, you know, on on call. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, absolutely on salary. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, fertility law and reproductive law keeps changing mm. all the time, you know, so mm. gay marriage is, is legal and has been, you know, for a good while. Um, lots of gay parents, uh, gestational carriers and, you know, egg donors and sperm donors. And so a lot has changed. And to put it very simply, we have already as a, as a society for all intents and purposes separated procreation from sex officially right. and legally yeah <laughs> but right. but we still um associate like marriage um mm. you know legal marriage in particular where the stakes mm-hmm. are higher um mm-hmm. with um procreation with reproduction with having children you know who am yeah. i gonna right marry and have my babies with so and how is that, you know, why are we not updating? And my question to you is, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. why are we incentivizing marriage so much and have not updated our models for it? Marriage is this archaic concept that was created at a time when people really used it for more like ownership and of property. So a man would mm-hmm. marry a woman in order to sign paperwork that would say that this land would then be owned by this woman or his brother or however it would work in the family system. And that marriage, usually at that time, because we would die a lot younger, would last about like 12 to 15 years. And then we would die. And when I look at the rhythm of how long marriages usually last, 
and when people are starting to break down in their marriages, it is around like, there's like these humps that happen around like the seventh year, fifth to like seventh year. Then yeah, they seven, get that. 11. But really, they usually divorce by like the 12th year. Mm -hmm. And it's by the 11th, exactly, that they're like starting to really, you know, feel like this isn't working for them. Change so much. Why do we still stick to marriage? I mean, we could talk about media. We could talk about films. We could talk about everything that we're fed from the time that we're children onward around what we're supposed to, like this blissful sort of idea of man, woman, um, marriage, right, yeah. bliss, well, that's right? That's what I don't understand, you know, like... Why are we still watching those films and having like all these reality TV shows of like Bachelor and Bachelorette all over the world, you know, in paradise, in hell, on the beach, on the mountaintops, blah, 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 blah. And they don't even last. So it's just about, it, you know, the choice is so brief. Like the stakes, we pretend like the stakes are high, but really, if you have at least a few dollars, the stakes are not high at all. Like you could just like, you know, move on and do it again. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's all like, you know, makeup, like pretension, you know, like going through the motions, but liking the essence, you know, liking the truth of it. So I think in a way that it's like a lie. I know we're, we're in a strange moment where the word lie with a capital L is very yeah. odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, right? Yeah. And politicized. But but in, in a sense, it's a cultural lie because, you know, our culture has, through science and technology, uh, developed so many ways where we don't need uh, marriage to prove paternity, right? So basically, mm -hmm. the, the man from the beginning of time until, like, I don't know, the 1970s <laughs> had mm -hmm. to go to woman for procreation. That, right. That's what the whole setup of the patriarchy is about. Man yep. could not have a baby himself. And his, mm -hmm. you know, his job in reproduction was like a split second or maybe, let's say, three seconds of complete unconsciousness. So he didn't know when he was like being productive. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So basically to even like have access to his, you know, heirs, right, to his genetic continuation, which is such a human desire for us, at least, you know, right. after five, six thousand years of patriarchy, uh, we take it for granted. I don't know if it was that much of a desire for, like, human, uh, you know, men uh, in, in, you know, Paleolithic times, but <laughs> it's real now. Yeah. But basically, the only way to access his own children would be to own that womb, right? So yes. that he could make sure that no one else would go in that womb and also fertilize mm -hmm. it. Because then, like, whose kids would they be? We, mm -hmm. we couldn't know. Well, mm -hmm. lo and behold, now we can. You know, like, mm -hmm. ever since the damn uh, Mori Povich show, like, everybody knows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, so once we have paternity test and it's cheap, it's not even, like, uh, you know, limited to, the, like, the super wealthy or anything. Um, right. The, the, the reasoning for marriage and monogamy, uh, the, the profound reasoning, you know, is gone. So we're still like doing the, the rituals, you know, <laughs> we're going yeah. through the motions basically 
of like, uh, you know, acting married and spending all the money and having a big party and doing the vows. And then we go through the expensive motions of like breaking the vows or if we don't break the vows, like suffering, you know, a life yeah. of like compromise and misery and, <laughs> you know, and self-censorship um, and, and, you know, an oppression basically that we voluntarily like take on and we give all kinds of justifications. Like it's better for the children and it's better for my yep. parents and it's better for the finances and we have a bitter, bigger home, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And again, we're just like, I think, you know, tricking ourselves. So it's basically habit. Like it's a, it's a primordial f feeling you know, habit. It's like a bad habit <laughs> that we can't break. Or maybe it's a good habit. I don't know. Now you're the psychologist. <laughs> I mean, I think, again, this is very individual, but I think that for it, it is the, it kind of is the last standing thing that people can hang on to, to say that <clears throat> this um, it seems familiar. This was told to me was good. Let me do this. Everything else sort of seems to be kind of like flying away or 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 flo floating through our fingertips. You know, there's nothing that people are feeling very grounded by. Mm. And <clears throat> for some people, they did have um, not a lot, but, you know, and I have to also look at the fact that people are coming to me when they have problems. You know, they don't come to me when they're super happy. So I personally cannot say that I um a majority of happy marriages uh even in my personal life in terms of my friendships uh i don't know that many people who are super happily married uh maybe if i did then i would see this a bit differently and i have a lot of clients that come and are very sad oh why aren't i married yet why haven't i found the person that i want to marry why you know everybody else is married and my response is well until they're not honey you know, and don't get it twisted yeah. um, that, you know, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors because ultimately it's it's all about life and death. Right. Erie? So at the end of the day, when we're at our mm. on our deathbed, we want to think about what's the most important thing. Is it that you made a million dollars? Is it that you flew in a private jet? Is it that you drank the best champagne or is it that you affected people and there's a group of people around your bed that love you. And for some, it feels like the most important people that can be around your bed and love you would have to be family because they're sort of contracted into having to be there. Mm, the contract. You know? There you go. Yeah. And so maybe that makes them feel a bit safer in that sense. Like at the end of the day, um, I need to make sure I have children around, you know, and, and all of that can be very different. If I said to somebody, listen, you know, I'm spacing on the name of it, but um, you're probably going to know it was a very, there was something that happened. Uh, it went viral. There was a YouTube video and it was this woman that's a famous artist. And apparently she had a love affair with this man in like the sixties or seventies. They were hippies. They decided the love affair was over. And instead of just being angry, because a lot of people have to get very angry and hate their partner for things to end, they can't just say, hey, doesn't seem like this is working for me anymore. And they can't just civilly sort of or sweetly leave each other, right? They have to hate each other to have it end. But they didn't do that. They decided mutually that they felt like the relationship was 
was finished, had run its course. And they decided to do this thing where they met at the Great Wall of China and they walked from opposite sides and met at the center. Oh, yeah. And said, Marina said their goodbyes. Yes. Yeah. There you go. So she did this thing, if you remember, where... Yeah, they met um, in the middle of the, yeah. of the so wall she, of China. At the MoMA, yeah, she did this one minute mm-hmm. of direct eye contact right. um, art exhibit mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And people were coming and then they hadn't seen each other for like 20, 30 years and he shows up. So there's somebody sitting at a table across from her, a whole crowd of people around just watching. They're doing one minute of direct eye contact. That person leaves. She looks down. He sits down and she looks up and realizes it's him. And they have this beautiful moment together. And she, she's supposed to just stare at him, but of course she can't help but like reach out and they hold hands. And it's this beautiful moment. And it made me think, what if I propose this to the world, right? What if I proposed that we would go through our lives in cycles of relationships, intimate, beautiful relationships, and mm-hmm. it would go like this, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say I have my first real intimate relationship at like 18 years old, and it goes from like 18 to 25, right? Mm-hmm. And then we break up in a beautiful consensually like a consensual uncoupling yeah yeah without and 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 that takes the most developed human psychologically emotionally developed individual is a very different is a differentiated individual what differentiated in psychology means the ability to not to be able to sort of see things from like a bird's eye view to not take things solely personally so like for instance Mm -hmm. let's say my partner is really busy with a project and he doesn't have time to spend time with me I don't take that like something is wrong with me why doesn't he love me I'm not pretty enough I am able to see it and say he's very busy with a project and that does not mean that he doesn't love me as much you know kind of thing right so at 25 you would be able to sort of like consensually together have this moment of like okay we've run our course I love you I love you too but I'm not in love with you goodbye right but you stay friends maybe distant friends but you stay friends then you go on to your next relationship and your next relationship maybe goes from like 25 to 35 and maybe in that relationship you actually have children with that person and same thing happens 35 it's like and you know what that person who you're with from 25 to 35 meets your ex your first ex and your first ex's re- next relationship meets you. And so you guys are all kind of friends with each other. And so 25 to 35, maybe you have children with one of them. And then you consensually sort of soulfully, beautifully uh, part ways. But you're still friends. And then you go on to your next relationship. And it's like 35 to 45, let's say. And then next one, next one, until there's like the last one. But by the time that you're like... 75 in your last relationship you have had you know one two three four five other relationships one that you had children with your friends with that person their friends with their exes we're all friends with each other and it's a community of people who love each other very equally because the idea to me that you could be with someone for 10 years and unless they were extremely abusive to you and then that person be your best friend for 10 years and then just never speak to them again is so strange to me. So now you have this community and on your deathbed, Mm -hmm. you have 
it doesn't have to be that husband that you were with from the time you were 18 years old. And those children that you have this entire community of loved ones mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. And if I propose that to people, people are very uncomfortable. That's so interesting. I mean, I can think of a couple of people I know who would love that, you know, who just would love nothing more but to have like all of their ex-wives or all of their ex, you know, husbands Mm -hmm. in, you know, around their deathbed with them. Um, But I think, and I, and I think it's a beautiful idea. So first I want to say, I think it's a beautiful idea to have, Mm -hmm. you know, a a greater family, like a a community of of lovers or a community of beloveds, you know, and that's beloved. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. your sense of family, you know, Um, but it does take, and and, and the reason it takes an enlightened individual, which you call differentiated, you know, Mm -hmm. is that again, what I said in, in the beginning, I think that in patriarchy we understand relationship as ownership because it all starts with like men having to have an exclusive ownership of the womb, of a womb. And then, right. uh, you know, that of course gets mirrored back. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so like in time, you know, not right away, I imagine, but in time, the you know, the woman wants like to have some sort of like ownership of the the husband um in some sense right and so on and so, on, uh, so forth through like yeah. the millennia <laughs> and here we are yeah. where we conflate um possession and monetary possession because we understand now a possession in terms of money and not like land right so mm-hmm. originally possession was m- more uh, of of land and actual things but now it's more and more abstract again it's yeah. very meta so everything has become yeah. metaphoric you know and mm-hmm. kind of like meta mm-hmm. so our our understanding of wealth and generational wealth is um finances and we're going into a a millennium where sooner or later it will be, you know, viral money, crypto, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. S- secret money. <laughs> mm. um, so, which is even more meta. Um, but I think that we conflate the two, that we understand love as ownership and we understand, um, because that's what we've been taught, you know, in yeah. that in that old, old agrarian system, you know. Um, and, separating that is very difficult in a in a deep gut level um that's why we know i started by saying like marriage the stakes are high right so the more it will cost you the more convinced i am that you mean it that you love me (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you are willing to like risk a lot i you know i trust you more (laughs) Uh (laughs) and it's Uh a very convoluted logic (laughs) Um, Uh but that's how we understand true love is Uh um, you know it's kind of like a risk um, ratio right so yeah yeah, go ahead it just made me think about this TED talk I remember this TED talk where the woman was talking about how best monogamy could work in long term relationships and they did um, <clears throat> sort of a statistic asking uh, people when they desired their partner the most. And the first was 
sort of like, well, when my partner's traveling, the other one was um, when my partner is doing something that they're very passionate about that has nothing to do with me. So like maybe singing on stage or, you know, deep into a painting that they're painting or something like that, right? So apparently what it came down to was that you have to have a tiny bit of fear Mm -hmm. that you're going to lose the person. There's a fine balance. Mm -hmm. Can't be a lot. It can't be making you hysterical. Uh, But just Mm -hmm. a bit, Mm -hmm. a bit of them being unavailable to you, a little bit of a fear that you might lose the person in order for you to stay desiring your partner. If they're 100% available to you all the time, um, I guess that that creates for a bit of boredom. And that's and also like the sense that other other people want them. You know, the more like yeah. coveted they are from other people. You know that uh, ergo, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the the concept of like the trophy wife, right? So yeah. you know your value as a partner grows if uh, those around you you know desire you, and then mm-hmm. we we go further and further down like the rabbit hole of you know optics mm-hmm. and cosmetics and appearances and the screen mm-hmm. <laughs> and editing and filters <laughs> and social media mm-hmm. and you know again what's true what's lie mm, it's all meta it's you know it's kind of like in a place mm. where it's hard to be clear and and mm-hmm. and and you know certain so i i don't know i mean i feel that you know, for example, monogamy, you know, I think it's like procreatively obsolete, but clearly it's not emotionally. So like mm-hmm. what you said, you know, if you can have a series of like monogamous relations that you agree in advance, you know, will end uh, mm-hmm. consensually at, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the place that they're not until death. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. you don't end up with like partners secretly hoping that you know their their partner will like die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which like happens. I mean, I grew up with those women. <laughs> they mm-hmm. were like my you know my grandmothers, <laughs> my aunts. <laughs> like, that's hysterical. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I think that that's like a really beautiful idea you know a proposal you know and have like an equally official like uncoupling you know if you love marriages then keep them spiritual get the government out of them maybe either way Mm -hmm. you know if you're gonna have a marriage kind of like you know have a if you're gonna have a legal marriage have a contract with how the marriage gets dissolved you know Mm. and then come up with like an unmarrying ritual (laughs) wow Um, so that, that would be quite you nice. Can complete I mean, I think you, you know, like a circle. Yeah, but it is utopian because when I think about it now, like as you're speaking about it, it it, it assumes that the two people will at the same time decide that it is time to dissolve the relationship. And I think, you know, outside of a million and one other problems that could come up, the main one being that one is done and the other one's not done. Mm-hmm. And the and the pain that comes up with that. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I th- I think that a lot of this is a financial component. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And if you take the money out of it, and if you know, if like neither is is having to pay the other one or lose 
you know, because of it, mm. you know, if, if both partners will not lose their financial standing as a result of the, of the separation, of the, of, of the change, <laughs> mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. regeneration, let's call it, mm-hmm. and, um, and neither will lose anything in that sense, neither will lose the children, you know. So if there is a system, an organized system, um, where one doesn't get punished, you know, in, in, in brutal and dramatic ways, like visitation rights, you know, or custody rights. I mean, it's just, it's endless. So if we kind of like, if there is an agreement in place that's legally binding or somehow bind, you know, spiritually binding, that this is how a separation will happen. And then when either partner is ready, they can address it and talk through it and decide, you know, either one of the two will convince the other. Um, but, basically yeah i mean everybody in that in that picture has to be pretty developed like i'm as you're speaking i'm thinking about so many different scenarios where like like for instance recently i met um a man who's 40 he got married had a child and he's now divorcing and he's having this revel he doesn't know how to negotiate the dating scene at all And he's having this revelation that he really did all these things because he was told that he should and he's supposed to and that he never, ever thought about what he really wanted. And so that just grew into this like strange resentment that showed itself in the relationship. Right. So that's one example. Yeah. And I think that's a real example. Go ahead. Yeah. That's a very common one that a lot of people, I think, go through where they they felt kind of like what we say, like drank the Kool-Aid or fell for the like what they thought they were supposed to do, right? I call it like holes and hooks, right? So we walk Mm -hmm. around with these holes and either people hook into them or they don't. So if I have a particular trauma from my childhood, I'm going to very strategically, subconsciously (laughs) attract somebody who is going to play right into those holes. Oh, yeah. And and hook right into them. And so he strategically, subconsciously, somehow unconsciously attracted somebody who was going to trigger up these feelings of not being Mm -hmm. good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was very critical on these things and that Mm -hmm. she, on the other hand, has her own stuff. So, so his words are, for instance, you know, she's a liar. She deceived me. And my response is she deceived herself as mm-hmm. well these are two different mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. but she wasn't aware mm-hmm. of her own mm-hmm. stuff yeah and when he if he's not aware of his stuff and she's not aware of her stuff they're just going to be playing the parts in the play in each other's plays right and also like you yeah. know words like are ephemeral you know i don't know how to say that strongly enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but like what we tell each other is not binding and cannot be binding. You know, it cannot be binding. Like mm-hmm. we make up laws to force that, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, to enforce basically by violence, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, and threat of like whatever, Im- loss and imprisonment and whatever, um, you know, uh, uh, us to be more lasting, but yeah. in truth, we are always in process, you know, p- change. I mean, it's like the most ancient uh, Greek, um, you know, let's say, uh, mm. motto or standard 
you know, everything flows, everything is change, right? Mm. So you can see the same river twice, all of that, you know, we are in process. And she may have said some lot of lot of things that she felt in that moment and in many other moments. And she doesn't yeah. feel now and maybe she'll feel it again in exactly. 20 years, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. you know, this, this falls, and I think a lot of this again, I mean, that's me. You know, and I, I understand that this could be my bias, but the way that I see it is that a lot of it goes back to our ideas of, you know, ownership, um, everlasting, right? O of mm -hmm. owner ownership, like past death, uh, past, you know, mortality, and then, you know, inheritance, of course, um, you know, are, you know, the kind of like uh, overcoming of, of death, in this way, by making our words <laughs> and our goods and our wealth, right, transcend the passage of time and generations, you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, it's, it, it's as if like we have no choice in our birth and we have no choice in our death and we spend the rest of the time <laughs> uh -huh. you know, uh, making sure that like we can, you know, have choices and control the rest. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if we could like un understand that things, you know, that change is inherent, um, I think that you know, and and in love and and you know, and in life, right, and not mm -hmm. focus so much on like permanence, um, that that would be a source of of wisdom and ease. Absolutely. And then we have these things called narratives, right? The mm -hmm. things that are playing in our head all the time, what you're supposed to do, what's right, what's wrong. Like the example I gave about the 40 year old man and how he did what he thought he was. About. That is a very common thing that I hear from a lot of men that are going through divorces where they're like, well, I thought I did the right thing. Why am I being punished? You know, I was told that you're supposed to marry and have children and, and da da da. Why am I being punished? Women have a little bit of a different narrative. Um, How's that? That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, let me think what their narrative. Mm -hmm. I feel that's interesting to think about. Um, I'm dealing a lot more with men right now around that, mm -hmm. around that particular topic. But when I think about the woman, it's actually that they're just sort of annoyed and fed up and they're just happy to get out. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm well, not I think dealing that with a men, lot of women. You know, like women have recently, you know, since like the middle of the 20th century, really, realistically, um, you know, women have experienced a lot of like um, loosening up. And so mm -hmm. it's it's not pretty, <laughs> and it's not mm -hmm. like uh, miraculous, but nevertheless there is that sense of like you know we're we're fighting, we're struggling, we're getting rights, you know things are getting better, you know. So like you know for women, I think there is a greater there is more of more optimism or or hope. Yeah. And for men, it's you know for men it's the reverse. You know, men feel like the loss. 
Um, and they, yeah, I think in, inevitably, of course, you know, they feel it as a punishment, you know, like, what am I doing wrong? That mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like, how dare you? I mean, it depends on the dynamic. I, now that I think about it, if the woman is usually like in her 40s or younger, she is kind of like, oh, I'm just happy I got out of this ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And I and she's not even interested in dating or anything. She just wants like she's she's exhausted by this by this man kind of thing. She's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm glad that I get my own space or I don't mm-hmm. have to clean up after him or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But if she's older, <clears throat> like maybe 50 and above and the man has found a younger woman and cheated on her then, and she's going through menopause, then that's a bit different Then that woman usually is like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, well, understand exactly the you know how this is the patriarchy in short. Yeah, and basically, yeah. you know, he has a different physical, biological mechanism, and I really don't exactly. care whatever is like the rigor right now <laughs> to say. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that we are different biologies, and mm-hmm. the biology that is you know that works around a, a functional uterus has a shorter, uh, you know, lifespan, like functioning Mm -hmm. span. So the Mm -hmm. youth of, uh, you know, the the egg and the youth of the uterus is is brief and it matters. You know, a woman really should have, you know, like the best age for her to have children would be from like 20 to 40. (laughs) That's a tiny, tiny span, especially in our time when we're still like learning and, you know, just finishing like graduate school. (laughs) and embarking on a career, right? Yeah. But the the fact of the natural biology doesn't change. And unless you want to make money so you can hire another woman in Ukraine to carry your child, you know what I mean? And get that fractured about it, that's your your time. Uh, But men, you know, the, the, the sperm, the biological, you know, reproductive function of the inseminator, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I want to say men and women, of the inseminator, right, is pretty much lifelong. You know, you can be mm-hmm. 70 and you can be 80 yeah. and you can fertilize, you know, you're, you're, you can have semen that will fertilize an egg. So that means that, you, you know, your aging husband, regardless of what he looks like, you know, can, mm-hmm. you know, can support a younger woman who may want to have a child. And that's right. a biological reality that you, you know, we need to make uh, somehow, you know, like peace with to accept we're not equal, yeah. you know, we're not, we're equal, but we're not identical. We're not the same in that sense. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, it like the womb, you know, uh, we are more lunar, you know, we menstruate mm-hmm. monthly and, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. you know, and men are more solar, you know, they're more on a like 24 hour basis, right? So we, we have different biology, biological systems and clocks. Um, and in our, in our feminist kind of like, um, you know, devotion, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we don't emphasize that enough, you know, like we don't have gynecologists. Like I think, you know, gynecologists should start talking to their, fem- you know, women clients, uh, 
early and saying, do you plan to have children? When do you plan to have children? And when, you know, when a client is in her 30s, just, you know, bring it up. Is this something, mm. you know, have you thought about it? Do you, do you, you know, do you know how to freeze your eggs? Can I, uh, you know, introduce you to a clinic, a fertility clinic where you can, you know, go and have your eggs frozen. So if you decide to have children, you have that. Uh, you know, it's like we, we only think of reproductive health as like not getting knocked up, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Not, you know, it's like birth control. But also like, you know, birth facilitation is equally important. Um, otherwise, oh. it, you know, this is what happens. You know, w- wives of men who uh, have made money as they have got older, find themselves in this place where like, you know, uh, their husbands can use their money um, to convince a younger woman to, you know, choose them. Because, yeah. you know, again, you know, love is, is uh, these days, you know, kind of like ownership. And, and so who is the highest bidder? <laughs> it still goes, you know. Yeah, and, and women are really... Um... Um, we're, they're, they really are thrown away by society in a lot of ways when they can't, uh, when they're not fertile anymore, when they can't have children. And that's something I think that we're still struggling with. It's changing a little bit, but it's biological too. It's science. Like they, they, I remember watching this entire documentary about sex and attraction and <clears throat> they would record a woman's voice saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Mm-hmm. They would record her voice. They would put a man listening to have him listen to the voice and say that it was a, a couple of different women that were saying those numbers, but it wasn't. It was the same woman that was saying it at different points in her cycle. And they would ask just whose voice are you most attracted to? And every man said it when the woman was ovulating. There's so much, I think, insecurity for women who are past the fertility age and feel like, well, that's it. Nobody's going to want to be with me. And I think, I think that that's something to really look at because they're the most, some of the most beautiful, most evolved relationships, I think, do happen for women later in their life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it takes us back to what I was saying earlier, which is we have separated procreation from sex and love for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes, but we haven't in practice. You know, we just have like, I mean, we have in 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 fact, <laughs> but we don't. We haven't in our social practice, in our understanding of like you know more mores <laughs> and conventions. Right, we're still lagging behind. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's like, why are we holding on to marriage like this? But I do think that like we hold on to anything that can give us some type of familiarity or, or some type of, it's kind of like, you know, uh, technology evolving, you know, like, or cryptocurrency. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that paper dollar for quite some time. I, I can't I understand what they're talking about. So maybe holding on to marriage in a sense, it's like the same idea. It's like the world is just changing and moving too fast for some people. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they just want something that they understand, they can touch. 
people are talking also about doing these sort of like gallery settings. Let's say art gallery. Can you imagine this year? Like gallery setting where you get, um, I guess, like an app on your phone. And then you go into a room that's just blank white walls, but you hold your phone up to a barcode or maybe like, I don't know, somehow technologically, I'm not very good at this, but like you just hold it up to the wall space and the painting would pop up on your phone. And then you can like scroll through and read about the artists and like maybe see a video or something like that. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see your art piece. I don't, I don't even like to read books online i had to take a supplemental class online i didn't understand how people do that how do you read an entire book online and then take a test i need to highlight things i want to touch them you know so maybe that's what people feel about marriage like don't take this away from us <laughs> yeah don't take it no i mean no no one is taking anything away we're just adding, right. you know we're we're you know we're just saying there's there's alternatives, there's something else. And you know what? Yeah. It might make you happy. And and for some people, yeah. I think that struggle with it, um, <clears throat> like, wow, marriage is just not working for me, that they would feel relief to hear that there is an alternative. You know what? There's a whole society of people who are looking at something different. And it's okay. Oh, yeah. You're okay. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's definitely an archaic, you know, practice. And it's, mm-hmm. and, you know, in my opinion, again, it's very agrarian, you know, it comes from the time when we, you know, agra- agra- the agrarian age, basically, when we didn't move that much, and we settled down and we had like, you know, land that was ours and borders. Mm-hmm. And this is what, you know, we grew stuff and we domesticated animals and all of that, right? As we become more and more like nomadic in the digital exactly. millennium, <laughs> uh, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of that is is inevitably changing. <laughs> well, what does that mean for you? Does that mean a celebration still happens? Yeah, exactly. A party still happens? For Vows still everything. are exchanged? Everything. everything is there. You just don't, the legal part. And what, okay, so there's a question. So why is that, why is that appealing to you? The, if we're, cause that's essentially it's getting It's appealing to me because to me it, it's it's more real. It's more truthful. You know, if you're not with me because you're scared to leave me, and if you're not with me because you think it's going to cost you money, and if I'm not with you because I want, like, whatever, your money or your house or some other marital perk, you know, <laughs> your nationality mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. I am more convinced. So it's kind of like the other side of, of you know, the high stakes. Mm. Like, to me... Uh, it's mm. much more convincing that you want to be with me three years down the road uh, without kind of like being forced socially in any way. Because mm. you really, you know, and 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 this, and the same goes for me, oh, okay. you know. And I think that it keeps us both, as you said, you know, early in our conversation, it keeps both party, both lovers, beloveds, you know, more alert. Like it's it's mm. less likely to take each other for mm-hmm. granted, um, mm-hmm. because after all, you are two like officially unattached people, even though you mm. may be living together and completely attached mm. in your mind, you know, in the eyes of this, you know, like antiquated society, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you're still like I get legally it. I get single. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And actually that's true. I did, I did 
officiate a wedding for for two people that really didn't do it legally and <clears throat> they've had quite an unconventional relationship they have they kept their own places um which i think is great mm-hmm. <laughs> i i very much agree with that or at least have your own floor or have something i don't know um and yeah it's worked for them that's that's yeah them. that's great having two places if, even more amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mhm mhm yeah. yeah nice yeah okay so um let's get let's uh, get back to your uh, event that's coming up in the middle of next month love is love yes. which is really all we've talked about love is love and you know what is love yes <laughs> love is love yeah. um love is love i'm i'm super excited because i've been doing it in new york um Uh, for like f- more than 15 years before right before covid hit but more in a club setting so it would be like a big performance venue and dancers perform on the stage and then artists are painting live and some musical performances would happen but it's a nighttime kind of event mm-hmm. the vision for it though always was to expand to a level to be able to make it like a outdoor festival And when COVID hit, we couldn't do the event, of course, in the club. And artists were really suffering. And so I decided to sort of launch this artist relief fund. And I did a, a completely crazy feat of doing 20, like a 24-hour, not like a 24-hour, 24 countries around the world, 400-plus artists performed. And we did it online for 24 hours as a kind of similar to um, We Are the World mm-hmm. uh, when they did that and we raised money for artists all around the world. And Miami sort of got wind of it um, and I received a grant to be able to do it as a festival in Miami. And that's super exciting because that means Miami is the first city outside of New York, but the officially the first place that it's actually a festival. Um, so it's like vendors, musicians playing the... It's at Normandy Fountains uh, on October 16th. It starts at 12 p.m. Uh, the DJ, DJs will be playing DJ Collective NYCMIA, which is featuring Jerobi White, which is um, one of the artists from Tribe Called Quest. They're DJing uh, oh, a, whole bunch of, yeah, a whole bunch of amazing local artists, local musicians from one to six, then dance performances from six to seven, mostly local there's two crews coming out from new york and then uh from 7:30 to 9:30 um it's a film festival with shorts some really amazing shorts being shown um and and then artists are painting live the whole time um from the museum of graffiti some graffiti artists some marcus blake and uncut art they're going to be painting Well, yeah, uh, I look forward to it, and uh, I'll be there. And thank you Yay. for <laughs> our conversation. I think we went like far and deep. <laughs> yes, we did, as per usual. As per usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody out there enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh, thank, thank you, you so much, Yuri. Thank you, Dina, and thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you for listening. And until next week, keep speaking sex. Could make love incessantly.
I would be God. My name is Eurydice Eve, and I'm a writer and artist best known for writing for Scribner and Spin, and these are my conversations with leaders in diverse human communities. Join our flow and stay with us for a while.